And welcome to episode 104 of the Book Wars Pod. I'm Miranda here with Chris and Kristen. Today we are wrapping up Lords of the Sith by Paul S. Kemp. Oh, I really thought you were going to go for the uh, rap air horn there. No, I have to keep it. Uh, I have to keep it fresh. Keep Since us all on our toes. Wouldn't want to like- overuse it. I like tried to add stuff to the soundboard today, but like everything is very locked down because Disney, but mm. don't worry, I will find a way to add things that I'm not supposed to add as sound drops to the soundboard. I mean, you can just record us yelling like it's Star so tr- Wars noises. It's so true. That would be pretty good. Like if we did a pew pew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I could just add that in. Thank you. That's that's great. Just like, do you want me to record you doing your rap air horn, and then that can be its own drop, but instead of the sad trombone, it'll just be your rap air horn. Yeah, that would make me happy. Um, yeah. Miranda, why don't you ask us what we're drinking since you brought us in, and that's your job. <laughs> oh, hey, Kristen, <laughs> what are you drinking? Uh, I don't want to go first. Chris, what are you doing? Oh my God. Just, just really organic conversations <laughs> happening on this episode of the Book Wars pod. As always. That's what happens when we have unsupervised pod. Yep. That's true. Which is not our, f- well, it's, it's, no, it's, no, it's wholly not our fault. Kate was supposed to be on this episode and, but she is sleeping. Which is a big mood. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, she like got home. She had like late class today, and so she got home and was just like fucking exhausted, and then tried to finish reading the book and fell asleep. Yep, that'll happen. That's story of my life. Yep, um, I'm drinking tequila, um, my usual uh, tequila blanco that I have uh, from Arte, um, which my again my accent's terrible. We're just gonna roll with it. Um, I was going to have scotch, but then I watched. Have you guys watched the like Taco Chronicles on Netflix? I really want to, but I have not yet. I don't oh my know God. what that means. I, I explained it to you when I saw the thing for it. It's like a documentary about like the history and culture around different like kinds of tacos as Miranda, told by the tacos. Was I asleep? Possibly. Probably. When, I, oh, this I, was also a while ago. This does not ring yeah, any new. bells to this me. Is, this is solidly six months old. I also might have explained it to somebody who was not you and don't remember. Thank you. <laughs> I really like it. I feel great that I mean this much to you and you remember each and every one of our conversations. <laughs> but the fucked up thing is, is I could still have no, absolutely no recollection of this and it could still have happened. And yeah, I, I was going to say, we didn't, no we didn't reason. land on this definitively wasn't you. <laughs> I'm just um, an asshole. But it's A, amazing and just like really interesting and incredibly well done in how it showcases the culture inherent in the different like, you know, styles of tacos that we have bastardized all of them. But love tacos. Um, but also I watched two episodes tonight and really fucking wanted tacos and didn't have tacos. So I'm having tequila, which is the oh, next best thing. You hate to see it. You really do. You really do. I do love tacos. What are you drinking, Miranda? Uh, I have a kombucha. Tell us what's about the kombucha. It is a brew doctor kombucha, which is a local. Did you? Is that mine? 
Yes. Sorry. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> they have similar colors. I know that, but read the front. Yours is the berry one. I That was mine for tomorrow. You can have the berry one. Oh, I know. Thank you. I, I'm going to. <laughs> so. <laughs> Fuck me, right? I'm like a, a cool like quarter to a third of the way through this and just noticed I was not drinking the same one because <laughs> it's fruity vinegar water. Or yeast water. Yeah, all Both water. All of those things, yes. yes. Yeah. Uh, so this it's is... Contains multitudes. <laughs> it does. Um, Brew Doctor is a Portland company, yeah? It is. Portland, local kombucha. Uh, this one is called Happiness. And it has rose petals and white tea listed under Happiness. It does. Yeah, it's very you know, not berry if flavored. You, if you read the ingredients, it, it tells you... Wait, hold on. Yeah, there. I thought that there was like more info on the. Oh yeah, here, it has like a blurb. Oh, I can. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, it says stuff on there. I'm not fucking crazy. <laughs> okay, stop and taste the roses, Rose City. Um, there is beauty in its simplicity. <laughs> White tea paired with rose petals give this crisp kombucha a soft floral finish. Miranda took a weed gummy, <laughs> which is why she has the giggles and can't read. <laughs> uh, can but read why didn't you, t- you can? Correct. Why didn't you, you take can it read recently? High better than I can. What? Why yes. didn't you take it recently so that we could like pinpoint the moment it hit you again? <laughs> because she didn't drink this time, so it's uh, more of classic. a soft. I know. That's. I was gonna ask why you were drinking kombucha instead of something alcoholic, but now I understand. Yep. I had a beer earlier when I got home from work, the eye doctor. Yep. I made a huge mistake last eye. night. We're we're recording this the day after the latest uh, Democratic primary debate. And Fuck that debate! It was so fucking Fuck stupid. All of those debates. It's actually. it's awful. But I made the huge mistake of not taking a gummy until it started, so I didn't nope. actually get high until halfway through. No, nope. which means I had to sit through like an hour and a half of the fucking debate sober also why are they three fucking hours uh, because there are 78 people on stage and they all get uh, two minutes of talking time none of them should be on the, there should be four people on the stage correct yeah i'm i'm with you um i'm drinking fields of green which i've absolutely had on the pod before this is the bitch in the color changing can from fort george um not the double ipa just the regular ipa uh and I think this one was canned on 9.30. Yes, it was. Its code name is Crosby Comet um, because the hops are Comet hops from Crosby Hop Farm. The malts are two-row two row barley pilsner. Two, okay. Two-row barley pilsner, torrified wheat, flaked oats. Uh, the yeast is juice, which is actually like a kind of like a strain of yeast that they use. It's not just juice. Um, just pouring a little orangina in there. Yep, yeah. just a little. <laughs> I know. Uh, Means like and a it's so funny because it tells me all of that, but it doesn't tell me what the ABV and shit of this is. Uh, it's seven point six. So bye. Um, <laughs> but I only have one of them, so <laughs> it's fine. Um, anyway, it's very good as usual from our friends at Fort George in Astoria, Oregon. Um, if you're from here, you say it Astoria. If you're not, you say it Astoria like a normal person. It's very um, stupid. Okay. That was, uh, do we have any friendly banter or official pod business? Two things I stole from a podcast I listened to, but it's uh, very applicable here. 
I don't think so. Cool. Yeah, I don't. Um, I, I got nothing. Super. Star Wars. It's fun. Star Wars is fun. Hopefully, um, by the time we record our next episode, we'll have seen the episode nine trailer. True. When is that coming out? It's a great question, Miranda. I'm here for the. Do you actually know the answer? Or do you just know it sometimes <laughs> in the sometime in the next week? No, I they haven't announced it. Wait, there so there have been rumors that, that it was going to come out like every week for the past like three weeks. People are guessing it's coming out um ne- this coming Monday because oh, it always comes out during Monday Night Football, and we're running out of Monday Night Football. Correct. Okay, so you're just guessing. Oh yeah, just guessing. I see. It is hashtag rumored <laughs> to be coming out on Monday. <laughs> hashtag but it was also hashtag rumored to be coming out this past Monday. So who the fuck knows? <laughs> Airhorns. I will say Airhorns I am greatly for rumors. <laughs> Airhorns for rumors. I'm greatly enjoying the fact that it's not out just because everybody's just freaking the fuck out about it. And it is We're it is it is hilarious. Running out of time before the movie comes out, so it's really fine. Which everybody can relax. Yeah. It's it's gonna come out. We're we're all gonna watch it like Big if true. The trailer's gonna be misleading in some way. But what um, if Star Wars disappears forever? Yeah. Um I'm just happy to not be in Denmark when it comes out. Mm, true. Because if I was still working for that company, I probably would be in Denmark when it came out, and that would be, and it wouldn't be coming out at the same sad. time, and it would be real sad. Could see it in Danish. <sighs> um, actually, it's in English, and then they just have Danish subtitles. It's actually really nice. It's not bad seeing movies there at all as oh, an nice. English speaker. Um, but usually, they stuff doesn't come out at the same time would be the bigger issue, mm, and then mm-hmm. I would have to. Um, throw myself into the ocean to avoid spoilers. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is true. Anyway, that has been um, boring non-pod business. Um, we're wrapping up what? Lords of the Sith? Correct. That is correct. Cool. Um, who wants to talk about all the fucked up shit that happened? <laughs> That's fucked up shit that we haven't been talking about. Or that we've touched upon lightly. That's why Kate was going to be on here because she's better just at... Just to scream, yeah. Well, she's better <laughs> at like ripping white men new assholes than this is all true. of us are. That is correct. She is so good at it. Um, Moors and Belcourt are different. <laughs> I was going to say, do we want to start with the ripping of new assholes or do we want to start with plot things? Plot things. Guys, okay. should not rip any assholes. <laughs> pegging um <laughs> i was uh, yeah i was gonna i was gonna yep. it's fine. anyway yeah so we have like and again i'm just gonna talk a lot this episode oh, there was a whole pegging pre-episode pre-recording so that's why we're all giggling in addition about to pegging saying pegging yeah so um it's it was it was a callback joke that none of you are privy to so yeah enjoy that which really if that doesn't show what this pod's about i don't know what does that's exactly right um so yeah plot things um we totally had an outline before two minutes before we started recording that was a thing we prepared we we're professionals did did didn't she miranda dropped her fidget um, spinner it's not a fidget spinner it's a hair tie um pick it up i was gonna start talking okay i'm gonna hurt myself if i try to pick it okay, up. okay i'll pick it up talk okay so basically um one of the things that we really see like through the whole book is the juxtaposition of moors and belcor and like 
how they kind of handle the power that they have, um, like seeing overseeing Ryloth. And like we we get a little backstory, but like Moff Moore's, you know, she's kind of like vaguely for the Empire. She's just spiced up all the time, um, and is pretty useless. Which is obviously different than Belcor, and like he's I, I think he's really interesting here because like he's clearly like you know into like the the um uniformity ish of the empire like he fits well in the structure of it but he's also like what if i just do some illegal shit <laughs> yeah i would add like a third point of contrast here it's like the it's well like two model imperials right is the, the what chris wrote on the outline Moors versus belcor um i thought it said to anyway i can't read um the point is that neither of them are model imperials um but in a way but in a way they're like very we see them time and again in star wars so it's like moore's who is like whatever the fuck i have power but i want to fuck off we've got belcor who has some power but wants more power and doesn't care at what cost that's coming and then we have like the royal guard (laughs) and they're like empire overall Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to me, the interesting thing about Morse versus Belcor is like very much as you said, Kristen, we have these two different models and they're kind of like they kind of are archetypes that we've seen in the Empire before. Like Morse is very much the, per- the 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 bureaucrat who's in power, who doesn't actually do anything um, and like has power, but doesn't actually have power. Whereas Belcor is like the climber who is not even really a believer because if he was he wouldn't be working with the you know the free ryloth movement which he is sworn to destroy uh and so slash work with forever slash work with forever (laughs) um and so it's just interesting because you know we see these two kind of people who we kind of see as what the empire is because you know we have when you look at the empire you've got your scary people you've got obviously the emperor and vader you've got your tarkins but Mostly what we've seen from the Empire is just a lot of bureaucrats who are not really qualified for the jobs they're in. Yeah. And about, yeah. I was about to say, like, when you said um, what we see a lot of, I was going to say ineptitude. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, after the top three, everybody's kind of useless. Well, and that, like... And we've talked about this before, but that like so multiplies after the first Death Star Death Star's destroyed. Mm-hmm. It's like those were supposed to be the best people. And like fuck. <laughs> yeah, it's like how in Lost Stars, Sienna gets promoted to like commander of her own Star Destroyer at twenty five because there's just literally nobody else who's competent. Everybody literally died. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but no, and it's it, it's it's very much that there's just a lot of ineptitude, and that's kind of what we see from the Empire, and it's it's always kind of been an interesting commentary on totalitarianism and the fact that like you, you know like quality with Thrawn being pretty much the single exception, being good at your job doesn't actually get you anything. Instead, you just get an empire full of Krennics. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> Krennic is so bad at his job. 
We watched Rogue One over the weekend, and I'm just like constantly reminded how bad at his job Krennic is. And he just like loves his uniform so much, his special boy uniform. I mean, if I got to wear a cape every day, I would love it too. Uh, it's so true. Yeah, it just seems dangerous. I would trip on mine. I mean, that's been made abundantly clear, Miranda. <laughs> yeah, Miranda, you have like a lot. You just said that you didn't want to reach down to get the hair tie that you were playing with because you didn't want to hurt yourself. Well, it was under it the would, desk. <laughs> it would also be very noisy and you'd yell at me and then it's like dark under there. Oh my God, it's dark under it's there. Just, <laughs> just a lot of effort. It's a desk. It's a it desk, is Miranda. A desk. Um, cool. How do they relate to the First Order later? Uh, the First Order, I feel like is just people at the end of their ropes so like they show a lot more the folks in the first order that we see show a lot more devotion to the cause because in a lot of ways it was like that cause quote quote that got them out of whatever fucked up shit they were doing before do you think that Morris and Belcor would join the first order (sighs) hard no for me personally I think that I don't if think they, they would have tri- been accepted. I was going to say, I think if they <laughs> tried to jo- join the for- the First Order, somebody would have murdered them. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that Belcor would have tried, though. I think Belcor would have oh, tried. Yeah. I think he would have been... Bec- it would have become clear very quickly he would he did not fit. Because, yeah, Keeks, you're exactly right that it's... The First Order is kind of like the maniacal true believers. Mm-hmm. And that is... Neither Moors nor Belcor fits that description so they're kind of very emblematic of the empire and the administration of the empire where you know and we see it even in the troops where you know we have various stories from from a certain point of view and we've like met a couple other stormtroopers in the various books we've read where like these troopers are kind of just people who signed up Mm because they could and you know they're into it you know just because you know jingoism and imperialism and whatnot but like they're not you know they're not doing it because they're ready to like fucking brand themselves and like die for the empire like that's not really anyone's goal whereas the first order that's like very much the point of the brainwashing Mm -hmm. that they do of the kids they recruit and by recruit i mean kidnap (laughs) it's complicated basically the same basically not Uh, what the jedis do right do you No, definitely not (laughs) Do you not think that um, Belcor would like treat it as kind of a last chance? Because he's shown that he can be dedicated to something. Even I don't. Know, it was serving his own self interest, but like. I, I don't, don't think, think he, he would. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think we were about to say the exact same thing. Like, but sorry, I'm the one that cut you off, but I'll, let me make my point real quick because, you know, my points are. <laughs> three seconds um i think like his dedication to himself like does not translate to dedication to a cause like the first order oh i don't i'm not suggesting that it does but i think that he can like put on you know just kind of an air of like caring about something like if he could twist his dedication to serving himself somehow into um like oh i was doing it for the empire or some bullshit like hmm. what were you gonna say chris sorry i was gonna say exactly what you were gonna say um <laughs> well exactly what you said rather which is that i i just don't think i think 
he would not last very long trying to convince people that his end-all be-all was the well-being of the First Order. Because to me, inevitably, that would have come up against his personal rising in the ranks. Yeah. And he would have, like, immediately been like, well, fuck that. And then, like, people would have been like, uh, you, you're fake. Now you're murdered. Yeah. I was going to say. Not like, allowed to do that. The, so, man, so much of the First Order is seemingly about sniffing out people who... Like the pe- eh, I'm not making this point well, but the people that they kidnap slash recruit um, s- seem to be folks that uh, take no fucking bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like they seem to be the people that are like, if you being selfish is going to in any way fuck this up and this is the thing that I care about in a cult like way, I'm going to murder you. Yeah. And I also, I just, I also just don't think Belcor has the stomach for it. Oh yeah, he's old. I didn't realize that. How old is he? Because don't they talk about him being old at the end? Do they? I think so. Anyway, keep going. I'll look. Um, but yeah, I just don't. You know, I think he's, you know, and not to, not to use his relative humanity as a negative, but within the Star <laughs> Wars universe, he's kind of soft. Like, oh yeah. He is not comfortable with actual killing. He's like corrupt because, you know, there's money in it for him and like, you know, let the Twi'leks get weapons, whatever. What does he care? But like there's he kind of balks when it comes to a killing Orn Free Ta and then Cham kind of needs to just constantly be on the phone with him to reassure him that it's going to work to kill Vader and the Emperor and Morse. Like, I, I don't think he could make it in the cutthroat world that we see in a novel like Phasma, for example, where Hux literally kills his own father because he's mean. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I guess the point I'm trying to make is like, I think that Belcar would do anything to stay alive. And like, if that's what he sees is that way, he might at least give it a shot. I don't think he would survive that for all the reasons that you just stated, because He's a soft boy, but I yeah. think he's just very interested in not dying. I agree. I think, I guess, I think the only difference between what you and I are saying is that I think he would run. I, I think he would know that he couldn't do it and he would just run. Fair. But other than that, I agree with everything you just said. Cool. <laughs> Sorry. You okay it's, over there? We're rapidly approaching my bedtime. <laughs> Of 8.45? Yep. I was up early this morning. Yep. Anyway. Um, how's it going, Chris? Anyway. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to like do two. Th- I, you know. I, She's trying I'm to barely, see if he's old. I know. What the fuck? Did, I'm like. I think that it happened. Because I made let a me, note let of it. just look up Wikipedia. Thank you. Sorry, I'm just quickly reading 
to see if it says anything about his age. <laughs> Why am I obsessed with this? Yeah. Ugh, you know sorry. where you know where where and when we are. You I'm need to know where and when Belcor is in his life. Sorry. At the end. Um, it is unclear. Okay. It is not mentioned on Wikipedia. Okay. He's well, Chris hmm? was like, you need to know where Belcor is. At when. the end. Yes, I know. He's at the end. It's true. It's true. <sighs> Okie dokie. Um, cool. We cool Sorry. the Imperials. Sorry for that stupid <laughs> detour that got us nowhere. Um, <laughs> who wants to talk about Ryloth equaling Africa in a bad way? I do. Great. This has been something that has like really struck me since the first time I read this book, like many moons ago. Um, and it's also very clear in the Clone Wars as well. So I like, I very much think it was intentional for better or worse, but Ryloth is, you know, more than any other planet we've seen, Ryloth is colonized. And you see that with their relationship with the Republic in that they're part of the Republic, but much of the population thinks that's a sham and doesn't want to be part of it. And you kind of have this straw man, Orn Free Ta, who is the senator who doesn't never actually goes home. And then obviously their relationship with the Empire, where they're essentially literally a colony in that they don't even like I I think they said that they're not even fully part of the Empire at this point in the timeline. And so they're literally just being used for their resources. And they even have French accents. Like, come on. This is like, it is a, it is a barely veiled analogy for Africa, which is not inherently problematic. It just depends on how it's done. And so I'm kind of wondering with this in mind, and I'm a little sad Kate couldn't join us because I would have loved to hear her thoughts on this as well. But like, how does Ryloth compare to other, you know, quote unquote alien non-human planets that we've seen in star wars and like what do y'all think about like would the story have been different if this had taken place on a different world yeah fuck yeah i mean um one thing that i think we see um in this it's like the, the whole planet just seems to be very poor right mm-hmm. like there's not a lot going on um there's just these huge, like, bad parts of town situation, like whatever the the octagon was, like just a giant. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what you'd call that, like. Sex market. Yeah. The wrong side of the tracks. Yeah. Situation, um, but even like, what we've seen in the Clone Wars, you know, I mean, it, it's kind of a desolate planet in general. When you're in the cities, when they're all the sand and stuff. But, like, if you look at something, um, you know, let's say uh, Kashyyyk or the one that uh, Obi-Wan is on in Revenge of the Sith. What's that called? Uh, Utapau. Utapau, yes. Like, I I feel like those are seen as, you know, kind or they're, they're shown as... Uh, being much more, you know, quote unquote civilized. Um I think it was in Lost Stars or not Lost Stars. Um Last Shot. 
um like the the medical student who like got kidnapped and was mm-hmm. a bad guy later like he was from Utapau um and it seemed like there were a lot of really smart folks there and like it was a big thing um and when we see Ryloth it's kind of just depicted as like this poor rundown place quote unquote yeah, you primitive even, yeah like you even have like the literally the villages of like people who don't even know what is happening in modern yeah you know quote unquote society like they don't even know who the emperor and darth vader are mm-hmm. and like they may or may not have like a working comm device exactly for like the whole village yeah so it's just it it's interesting to me sorry go ahead it just it would have like gone differently if it was on Utapau. Yeah, definitely. Like, for sure. And we like uh, Utapau, we saw that a bit. Yeah. Yeah, like Utapau, a planet like Moncala. Mm-hmm. Like it's I do feel like it would have been very different because I feel like those populations are given more agency by the creators than whereas like Ryloth, you have the free Ryloth movement, but the rest of the population just kind of like stuff happens to them. Yeah, I'm thinking of like Jakku. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, if Jakku had anything to offer, um, I think it would have been pretty similar mm-hmm. because, I mean, even we don't really know what Jakku looked like at this time. Um, but I think it would be, you know, it's like a backwater ass outer rim planet, right? Is it in the outer rim? Uh, it's technically in the western reaches. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Regardless, I'm thinking of like outer rim backwater planets. Uh-huh. And I think it's pretty much nowhere as Luke yeah, said. Yeah. Um I'm thinking that the more kind of nowhere it is, the more similar it would be to what happened on Ryloth. Yeah. It's interesting because I because my next question is would the story have been different if it had taken place on a human world like Lothal, which is also outer rim, not quite backwater. Like it has cities like, I don't even remember what the capital city is called. Kate would be mad at me. Lothal. Um, <laughs> Lothal city. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, but cause the, again, that population is kind of given much more agency in how it responds to imperial occupation like you know we have the kind of this underground resistance movement with Ryder azadi and joe the the inexplicably named um what is that species called bartender um ithorian the ithorian bartender mm-hmm. and like all these people who like are not happy with the empire being there and sulo and like ezra's parents being part of the original resistance there and it's i don't know i do feel like this is i i i i'm not even sure what point i'm trying to make which is why i kind of wish kate was here but mm-hmm. like i feel like the fact that we're on ryloth and talking about the occupation of ryloth and never actually get to talk to uh, like see through anyone's eyes except cham and isfall is like very i feel like that you know coming into how not necessarily to write a trope like this 
is very uh, plays into the fact that the population doesn't mean anything. Yeah. And the popu- and that the population is backwards and like they don't have goals of their own because they are just they are just you know being colonized. Yep. Mm-hmm. They don't have this like their value structure isn't understood or doesn't line up with the one that's being imposed on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cuz in the end it's just the empire which is largely human. Um just kind of forcing everything onto these planets and exploiting them for the resources, which is not great. Yeah. Not great, Bob. No, not great. Um, the yeah. capital of Lothal is literally called Capital City, a.k.a. Lothal City. Ooh, you were See, not wrong. I, I said, wouldn't <laughs> surprise me. <laughs> yeah, it's, yep, Capital City, I think, is how they mostly referred to it in Rebels. Yeah, love to see which it. is so fucking stupid, but <laughs> Star Wars doesn't do place names super well I know. historically. Names, names, hard. In general. Names are hard. But yeah, so it's just it's interesting to me because you know obviously this book is about the Empire. It's called Lords of the Sith. It's about Vader and Palpatine, but it is also very much about the Imperial occupation, and we never actually get to see the effects of the Imperial population. We just kind of take the word for it that it's bad. Mm-hmm. And I think the closest we get is Isfal going into the octagon and trying to rescue, you know, the Twilight girls that have been, you know, essentially imprisoned in the sex trade. Mm-hmm. And it. So, but like, that's really all we get. And even that view, we kind of get this view of Isfal, Isfal as this like kind of savage, like, oh, like even, even the girl she's saving doesn't want her to do this because, mm-hmm. you know, the girl she's saving appreciates that the imperial was nice to her like it's i don't know it's, it's and this fucked. is it this is, is kind of fucked. blending the point of like it's interesting to see ryloth as colonized africa as a metaphor and there's a lot they could have done with that but i also don't feel like they did and that is on the author and that kind of brings us to our next point which is the point we've been teasing for several episodes which is oh there's a whole lot of yikes in this book Yeah, I was gonna say. I feel like that's that's a moment that's for a, in a pow pow, if anything. It's a yikes air horn. <laughs> yeah, there's there's some shitty shit in this book, eh? Yeah. So like, let's start. And you know, we an, a note of prologue on this. We've talked about where books come up short in the past. We talked about it uh, pretty extensively when we read Phasma by Delilah Sawson. We talked about it a little bit with um, the character whose name I can't remember in Master and Apprentice. <laughs> um, oh, God, that's going to bother me now. But uh, the the like gem, the jewel thief, yes. um, who wasn't Rehara. Pax. Yes. That was his name. Oh, yeah. um, we talked about it a little bit there. Um, so, you know, we like to call these things out and we do it not to necessarily shame people although we're definitely going to shame paulus kemp because there's a lot in here that's bad but um but we do it because we want these books to be beyond reproach like we want these books to be better and we want there to be enough voices in the process of creating these books that these kinds of things don't happen and that it like writing like this doesn't result 
And so, you know, we do it because we love it and we want it to be better. We and love so that's to just... not have to talk about this stuff on the wrap up. <laughs> Absolutely. Like we don't, I mean, as, as you can tell, like from listening to the podcast, we enjoy Star Wars and we don't particularly enjoy complaining about it, but it needs to be complained about because we also it's... don't enjoy problematic shit. Yep. Yeah. Like we also don't enjoy, like I talked to a couple people who just like straight up could not finish this book. Yep. Because it's really, it's hard. It's, really it's fucked up. particularly and you know, like I'm speaking as an able-bodied white male and it was hard for me to read a lot of the just like kind of gross negativity in it. Yup. Uh, yeah. So there was a shit fuckload of fat phobia and that was bad. Yeah. Let's start there. So we have like, there's two kind of major examples and that's Orn Frita and Moth Moors. Yep. And you can describe a person or a being in great detail without making them sound gross, even if they are larger or however they would like to describe themselves. It's super easy. And you don't... just the language was so coded mm-hmm. around all of that. And that's just like a really, I mean, I wish Kate was here because she would be able to speak to this more. It's just a really, really lazy way to write that. Because mm-hmm. like, I, I feel like even if you like, it is a gross character, yep. there, are, there are ways to portray that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, Orin Frita is supposed to be a gross character, just starting with him because... There's a whole lot more wrapped up in the Moth Moors depiction that is even worse. But like Orn Frita is supposed to be a gross character. You know, he's this kind of collaborator uh, is a, gener- a generous term to describe him. But he's basically in Palpatine's like been one of the people who just like kind of hitched his wagon to Palpatine from the get go and has not actually cared about his planet since then. He's and a puppet. Yeah, he is. And there's, you can describe him in plenty of ways that deal with his behavior, that deal with his worldviews. You can do it in plenty of ways that don't start with him entering a room, like bulging at his robes and having that be the only negative connotation. Yeah, like it is really lazy. That's Chris comes as usual with the the actual textual evidence because my brain is a sieve. But um, yeah, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that I was referring to. Like, it's easy to describe someone who you want to portray negatively as you. There are different ways to portray them that aren't, you know, speaking negative negatively about things that aren't negative. Right. Like we don't. Ugh, yeah it's just like it's really fucking lazy writing is like, what it is <laughs> it's it's lazy writing and it's really offensive because it's equating bad behavior and bad motivations with body type mm-hmm. yep and it's this and you know thank you and for we're gonna get having into... good words chris you're making all you're i'm trying to make these points and i'm just calling it lazy writing but i know i mean no i mean it is writing. it's you're it not is. nothing you said is false no lies detected um but it's just in you know it's 
it's frustrating because there's nothing inherently bad about the way he describes Orn Frita, except the way he does. Like, there's nothing wrong with the characteristics of Orn Frita, except that he is described to you as, like, essentially, and, like, excuse, like, the offensive language, but, like, he's essentially this fat fuck who doesn't do anything. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's the same. We see that those kind of generalizations in plenty of other discrimination. We see it in misogyny, as we're going to talk about. We see it in racism. Um, but you're taking someone's physical characteristic, which is just that. It is a physical characteristic. We we know nothing about Twi'lek physiology that says Orin Frita is unhealthy. We know nothing about Twi'lek body types that says that Orin Frita is, you know, has a larger body than the usual, other than we've seen, you know, like Hera and Cham, but that doesn't mean there aren't others that are that are that do have larger body types we've seen nothing about him that tells us he's evil but we're given being given the message that he is evil because he is fat mm-hmm. and even if he wasn't healthy that it doesn't have anything to do with his worth right exactly yeah that's absolutely thank you that's absolutely yeah, the case. just as a i i was picking up what you were putting down but just yeah. as a helpful reminder to yeah. everyone uh, yes and absolutely the thing too is like like you said earlier Orn Frita is not the only person this really happens to in this book. Um, you know, we get some really similar vibes with uh, Moff Moores. Mm-hmm. Um, except instead of like, oh, she's evil. It's like, okay, well, here she is. Just like spice-addled, incompetent, like, you know, not even bothering to care or even pretend to care about running Ryloth. She's just like hiding away, you know, eating yeah. bonbons and smoking, smoking spacecraft. Yeah. Yeah. And all, and like, to me, the word like slovenly is kind of the way she's mm-hmm. depicted. And yeah. like, Belcor like explicitly says that he's disgusted by her. Yeah. Which is Not so great. offensive on so many levels to say based on her body type and like her cleanliness that that makes her a bad person and that that makes her worthy of a main character's disgust even though it's a main character that we're not supposed to like obviously Belcor is not the hero of this story like that's news to me dude yeah you you read this book in a weird way Kristen <laughs> um but like we are we are getting his point of view. We are supposed to understand how he feels and to a certain extent sympathize with him because that's you know how this works. We're you know we're we're trying to in our heads root for Belcor to win in some aspect because the, you know as the Twi'leks win. But like this is this character that we're supposed to sympathize with to an extent and he is just straight up disgusted by the appearance and behavior of Moth Moors mm-hmm. pretty much exclusively because she's fat. Yeah. And Again, I think it's it just goes back to what we were talking to or talking about with um Ornfrey Ta. And like she still might be like the you know, bad character in this, like the villain. I'm sure she's probably shitty at her job anyway. Um, you know, but like even if she were, there's a way to describe that. There's a way to talk about not respecting her without tying it to her body type 
Yeah, like how about you say she's shitty at her job by saying she's shitty at her job? Easy as like, that. Like there's there's a concept. And like stopping there because I feel like they did that, but also then like heaped on with like the fat shaming and like unnecessary added nothing detracted yeah. a lot. Absolutely. And again, it's just it's a question of it's a question of who's involved in the process. And, you know, I try not to get outside of Star Wars too much. I do know that Paul S. Kemp has very questionable history around his views of women. I know that he's gotten in trouble for past blog posts where he was like really misogynistic in his own life and in his own views. And and now he's kind of on Twitter as this, you know, pro pro hashtag resistance anti-Trump person. And so, anybody, you know, everybody's like, oh, enemy of my enemy is my friend. And he's, you know, this liberal hero to on Twitter sometimes. But he he has a history of this kind of behavior. And it's, it's a question of who gets to be a part of this process and who gets the opportunities to, con- like, like, who gets opportunities even when they fuck up? And you look at someone like Paul S. Kemp, who has this history of these things, and yet, you know, a reader wasn't in place to who who evidently was able to see these issues in the writing and was able to see the misogyny and was able to see the fat phobia. And it's just, it's frustrating. Mm-hmm. Quite. And I'll fully admit that I'm taking out some of my frustrations with having read this back to back with Black Spire mm. um, <laughs> in terms of talking about like kind of the concept of how did this get made. But yeah, and who it is second chances and third chances. And I'll give you a yeah. hint. It's white men and white women. Yeah, it's, it's white, white people. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's, it's absolutely white men. That's. But it's so it's just it's frustrating. And that's why we want that's why we call this out, because, you know, particularly in the publishing arm of Lucasfilm, like these people fucking care, like Del Rey, Disney Lucasfilm has easily the most diverse lineup of creators and characters that we are seeing in Star Wars right now. And it is not even a little bit close. And in many ways, you know, most diverse is not the highest bar when it comes to Star Wars, but <laughs> they are doing great jobs in many ways. When you look at, you know, we have Resistance Reborn coming out very shortly uh, in just a couple weeks that is written by Rebecca Roanhorse, who I believe is the first native author to write for Star Wars and centers, you know, all the major characters of the sequel trilogy, but specifically Rebecca Roanhorse has talked about how she really enjoyed writing Poe mm-hmm. and who obviously is a character of color. You have DJ Older and Justina Ireland, who are big parts of Project Luminous, uh, which is kind of the big what's happening next. And they've uh, also both wrote fantastic representation in their books and just did an incredible job. Like the publishing arm is doing a good job. And so we call these things out not as... You know, and this is another thing you did wrong, but just as a, hey, this is something that we noticed that a lot of readers noticed that made this book less enjoyable for a lot of people than it could have been. 
Yep. And uh, and it could contribute that much more to the Star Wars canon and to the experience of Star Wars fans if these were things that are looked out for next time. Star Wars is for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, this is also just a great time to bring up if you're newer to the pod, welcome and we're sorry. <laughs> um, but we used to cover uh, the Marvel comics, which um, in many ways have added a great new layer of things. Um, but the head of Marvel, or what? what is his title he's the um uh he's the editor-in-chief yeah the fuck boy in chief of marvel comics specifically of marvel comics um yeah if you don't know about him go do a google Uh, we've already dedicated a lot of time to him and why um we no longer cover the comics um and we've taken a strong uh stance on that that if uh he continues to be in that position we won't cover the comics um so if you're curious about that, you can ask us about it. We don't need to rehash it again here. Um, but it's something that's worth mentioning. It's uh, yeah. It needs to be better. Yeah. I'm actually just quick side note. I don't know if you two saw this this week, but Kevin Feige, who is, for our listeners who may not recognize the name, is kind of the, the brain behind the Marvel Cinematic Universe actually just got appointed chief creative officer of Marvel as a whole, including comics and publishing. Ooh. And he he is a white man. He has all the blind spots that white men have. But if you look at the recent spate of Marvel movies that have come out, like Captain Marvel, like Thor Ragnarok, like uh, Black Panther, obviously, and look at what is on what is slated to come out thinking particularly about the Miss Marvel series for Disney plus he has shown more of a commitment than other white men in his role have in the past to diversity and representation and doing it right. And so I'm curious to see if that changes anything with Marvel comics. It'll be interesting to see. It would be awesome if it did. Cause it would be, cause I really want to read the comic. Like love to there's read the so comics. much goodness happening in the comics right now. But, but they we just can't in good conscience none... tell people to give them money. Yeah. They're getting none of my monies. Exactly. And 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 I also don't want to in good conscience tell people to steal them because <laughs> you know, that's also that's also not bad. good. <laughs> so basically fire Sobolski, fire uh senior editor for Star Wars lines, Mark uh Panachia, and we'll be good. Please. Anyway, just wanted to bring that up in case we have we haven't talked about that in a while. So yeah. while we're on a uh, while well, we're on a ranting everyone. topic, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of fuck everyone, who wants to talk about fridging? Mm. Do we touch upon misogyny enough? Misogyny. I think just that <laughs> the just that Morse's body type and like her quote-unquote fatness makes her not just fat but like disgusting is also just such a commentary like an inadvertent negative commentary on how we view women who don't have you know quote-unquote conventional attractive body types like the super skinny model body type yes and it's like the fact that she is viewed as disgusting is so it's it's coded in and of itself 
as a slight on her being a woman because it's that much more offensive to Belcor and by extension to the reader that she is not just fat, but she's a fat woman. Yeah. Yeah. I would also bring what is the uh, female main character for you, Ryloth, person named. Sorry. Oh, Isval. Yes. I actually thank you for that reminder because I did want to talk about her. (laughs) So Isval is complicated, right? Because she's coded or she's described as coded is the wrong word. Sorry, retracted. Um, She's described as like in this negative light because she's not conventionally feminine. Like she sharpens her teeth, which is like different than um, typically uh, the men in the culture, uh, the twilight culture do that, but she has it. Uh, She like, she's chosen to do that. Um, And other little things like that, where they talk about her, like not smiling (laughs) literally. Um, and stuff like that. And that is just fucking so reductive and so misogynistic. And literally the peak of her character arc is that she smiles. Right. And it's fucked. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that's super misogynistic and bad. Mm -hmm. And also the fact that, you know, specific thinking about that chapter where she goes to the octagon and is like talking about how she has this need to murder. Like, both she and Morse are shown essentially as slaves to their vices. Like, Morse is shown as, you know, the implication is that she's a slave and can't stop herself from eating, and she's shown in a spice haze, so she's an addict too, which also addiction is a disease, not a character flaw. But, like, she's slown as a slave to her vices. Isval is shown as you know, doing all these horrible things just because she has to let her aggression out. But Cham wouldn't approve. Like, you have Cham and Belcor who are put in the position of moderating the worst impulses of their female counterparts. And it's and and that's a way of explicitly saying that the men in these roles are better than the women. Yeah. And it's just again, these are these are things that we don't want to see in Star Wars and we hope not to see in Star Wars going forward because honestly, there's no reason Isval shouldn't be a completely badass character mm-hmm. because she's really something that we haven't really seen particularly in a female character in Star Wars before. And we talked a little bit in previous episodes about how she's kind of the Sagarera of this story, like kind of the take no prisoners Vigilante. win at any cost. Yeah. Vigilante. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and she's what somebody who's like very dedicated to this cause, which is, um, you know, kind of a big point in the book. You know, when they're talking about like, will Free Ryloth go on if Cham dies? Yeah, and she's proof that like, yes, this can happen, but also, you know, like you just said, she's shown as being uh, a bit inept and just like bloodthirsty because she can't control herself. You know, like you said, she's a slave to her vices, um, which is really misogynistic because, like, she could totally carry on with Free Ryloth. She's clearly, like, competent. You know, she might not, like, have as much foresight as Cham because, like, just because he's been doing it for so long, but she's right there at the top. And that description of her is like, no, she can't do this. 
Oh, yeah, woman, and the fact woman that women sit in the corner, like yeah. Also, um, I'm not the. I don't have a nuanced point about this, nor am I the correct person to talk about this. But sex work is portrayed in a really problematic way in this book. Oh, yes. absolutely. I mean, and again, to it, there was a way to do that because obviously, if we're sticking with the Ryloth as a colonized planet aspect of it you know the sex trade in areas that are colonized obviously is very rarely consensual yeah mm -hmm. but it uh, but again it wasn't done the right way and you have isval who is shown as this bloodthirsty person who also is very clearly incredibly competent and yet her only connection to actually being leadership of the free ryloth movement is that cham has a crush on her Mm -hmm. and it's just and again it's it's minimizing her impact as her own person and as a potential leader because you know whenever she's talking with Gobi or uh i can't remember any of the other twilight names i'm sorry but like whenever she's talking with anybody else she's not really shown as a leader mm -hmm. and it's only cham that seems to think that she is a leader but then cham is also like but I love her. So like that kind of invalidates his view of her mm -hmm. of as, as invalidates him as an objective observer of her talents. Right. And I feel like if you t kind of take away his view of her, like if we were to get um, her story without his inner monologue being like, Oh, she cute. Um, her whole story kind of has like, you know, she slept her way to the top vibes yes it's it like does she she can't do anything but like you know obviously it's like very like she and Cham weren't doing anything but it's just like there's a reason that she's been so successful and it's not her it's her being um like the love interest of the main male character and that was just so also we don't we don't dive into quality of books that often on this podcast, but that was just such a pointless subplot. Yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> it added absolutely nothing. Like, you, you know how you make Cham have feelings about her? Because Cham is a, like a real, real life being who is a leader and a good leader and is beloved. And so he cares about his people. Like, That's there was it. no reason you needed to do that. None at all. Oy, oy okay, we're getting right. uh, heavy on time here. Um, we are. So let's talk. Let's talk. And Miranda, I specifically, let's let you talk about one last aspect of Moff Moore's that was not interesting. Great. And yeah. I, not great. Bad. Yeah. Uh, I didn't want to put words in your mouth, but not great. Yeah. And that is the fact that Moff Moore's is, it is thrown in, in kind of like a side bit of dialogue that Moff Morris is gay and that she was married to a woman. Yeah. And that woman was super fridged years before the book started, which I mean, it, like it touches on the misogyny thing. It touches on the queer thing, but um, there's a big issue in a lot of literature, movies, etc., cetera, um, traditionally where, you know, the villain has like very queer coded kind of 
uh, features or characteristics, um, you know, it's, it's just always been very easy to do it. Like if you, if we want to look at Disney, I think is probably the easiest example, like the Lion King scars kind of shown as a bit of a foppish kind of lion. Um, the drag queen, uh, description or what's the word I'm looking for? Portrayal? Sure. Of Ursula. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's always been like queer people are the enemy, and it, not that it's bad to have like I want to see like a lesbian enemy who's super badass. That'd be awesome, or like who has some kind of positive features. But as, like as we've discussed, she has no positive features described in this. Um, and like you said, it's just thrown in. Like, as yeah. a side comment. And I can't tell if it's just, like, shooting for diversity points. Like... I absolutely think it is. We have a queer character. It's like, great, you wrote her really terribly. Um, you make it look like lesbians are bad. Feels and, very homophobic, honestly. Like, it does. This this is great. Um, it's, like, we could have a whole conversation about queer baiting with it because of how desperate like people in the community are to see themselves in some kind of media and then when it happens it's just shitty like here's this spice addicted you know like quote unquote disgusting in the view of her peers and um like people just she's around all the time and I was like why 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 was any of this necessary yeah, it's it's frustrating because you know when obviously we are huge proponents of Star Wars Rep Matter matters. Kate is a major contributor to Star Wars Rep Matters, and that entire hashtag and movement does phenomenal work. And one of the I don't even want to say criticisms because that legitimizes it. One of the stupid comments they get from people from men on Twitter is, "I don't mind characters being X." whatever it is. And they always find the most offensive way to say it, but that's oh, yeah. beside the point. I don't mind characters being X as long as it's, you know, not just shoehorned in. And the response to that is kind of like, that's not a thing. Like, yeah. that's like, yes, you, you want good storytelling to be good storytelling. Thank you. Thank you for your comment, white man. But like, it's frustrating because when you have a, a character like Moff Morris, who is, you get one line and two lines really, because there's also the, really gross implication that she is sexually assaulting her female Twi'lek servants early in the book, if you look for it. Yep. Um, but, so that, and that's a, that's a whole nother trope of bad, queer bad. characters that we don't need to get into. But the, when you have it just mentioned twice with no actual relevance to the character, other than in this case to make them, you know, look even worse, like, that is this like quote unquote bad representation that like doesn't exist. It only exists by like people who just have no good, like good intentions of doing it. Well, like, and, and that's, it's bad storytelling. Just like you said, like we, we just called out a hetero couple that we thought was fucking shitty storytelling. <laughs> like it's yeah, exactly. not, it's, it's not bad storytelling because it's gay. It's, bad storytelling because it's bad storytelling right 
Yeah, and it just, it's so exhausting because it legit, like, like, almost legitimizes all, like, these fucking dude bros who complain about, like, well, they're just shoehorning it in, like, because, like, this literally does feel shoehorned in because it, ha it like, it doesn't develop anyone's character and it doesn't actually give you a even remotely rounded character who is queer and that you can actually, like, look at them and look at their queerness and their overall character and see how it fits in. It's literally just like you wrote a sentence saying yeah. she had a wife this, instead of a husband. It's checking a box. Yeah. And, you know, we do get more of her as the book kind of progresses. And, like, there would be ways to fit that in. Like, you could come up with actual backstories that aren't just like, her wife died. Now she's addicted to drugs. Yeah. Yeah, like none of that backstory was necessary just to speak to. Like, we didn't get Cham's backstory. We know parts of Cham's backstory because of Star Wars, but like, we didn't get that in this book. And we didn't get Belcor's backstory. Mm hmm. We didn't get Belcor's backstory. Exactly. And we, like, Guess what else felt shoehorned in? Cham and Isval liking each other. Like, fuck. <laughs> yes, guess what? Shoehorning anything in is bad storytelling. Yeah. Like, oi, <sighs> Well, thank you, Miranda. Yeah, I, I would have had more nuanced um, analysis, but I've done a lot of gay screaming today. Yep. So, thank there, you. Yeah, there's only so much you can do, really. Yeah. Yep, not and not positive gay screaming either. No, it was not the fun kind. No. Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. I had a very kind coworker who let me come into her office and vent for a bit. That's good. Yay. Yay. Anyway, as Kristen said, we're getting a little heavy, so let's run <laughs> through some listener questions. Um, uh, nobody responded to us on Twitter, um, which is partially my fault because I didn't tweet about it until like three hours ago, but nobody <laughs> responded to us on Twitter. Um, but we did get some good questions from the Tashi Station Radio Patreon, which you should all give to because we have fantastic conversations. Um, and exclusive pet pictures on there. And exclusive pet pictures. Um, I will also say most of these were kind of shitposty questions, which is good. That is not a bad thing. It's usually um, what they are. <laughs> the, one, the one serious question we had was Andrew... Uh, Andrew underscore S underscore Rich, I believe, on Twitter. Yep. Um, asked about Moff Moore's and what whether her backstory was even necessary, and so we just we talked about that a lot just now. So rewind about twenty minutes, Yay. if you don't feel like you have an answer to that question. Um. So first, again from Andrew, a lot of these Andrew was very prolific this week with his questions. Yeah, he asked actual questions. Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> yeah. Um. Orin Free Ta is the Mitch McConnell of the Twi'leks. Agree or disagree? Disagree. <laughs> I actually, yeah, I don't I don't agree with it because to me, the whole thing about Orin Free Ta is that he's incompetent. Like he's like a sign of the bureaucracy <laughs> and the the nepotism. Yeah. Mitch Whereas like Sorry. No, go ahead. Mitch McConnell's a piece of shit, but he's good at his job. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, like a solid like 30 to 40% of what's wrong with American can be directly traced to Mitch McConnell being really good at his job. Yeah, he's real, real good at it. And it's horrible. And I hate it. Yeah, it, like he is he is real good at his job of just destroying everything that anybody could like mm -hmm. about the world. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Orin Frita is 
really portrayed as not caring all that much and just kind of going with whatever. Again, not the case here. Yes. Yeah. Good question, though. Thank you for that discussion question. It, it did make me laugh a lot when he first asked it. Yeah. Yes. Um, Odie, Odie McOatface, or no, sorry, of many nicknames on Twitter, Odie McOatface <laughs> in our hearts, um, asks for our favorite Palpatine pet name. Um, I'm I'm partial to Palpy myself. <laughs> See, when I first read this, I was like, Palpatine pet name. Does he mean like the shit that he calls Vader, or does he mean? <laughs> I mean, we like, all know that I call Palpatine poopy, so that's that's my. No, he, he's got like a little droid cat. Yeah. Gonna... <laughs> D- Darth Whiskers. <laughs> just going, just going full on Bond villain. Yes, a uh, poopy whiskers. is what oh I'm going God. with. Um, I'm a child. Um, no, I'm with Chris. I usually just do a palpy because it's easy and my autocorrect recognizes it. Yeah. <laughs> um, in a running race, who would cleat themselves first, Jasper or Miranda? The, uh, that's from Andrew. Um, the answer is Miranda. Jasper uh, doesn't like trip over anything anymore. He smashes his head into a lot of stuff. Um, but he is a very svelte runner and also knows how to go through like the doggy tunnels and go over jumps and stuff. So absolutely, Miranda. Awesome. Are you going to train him for agility? Uh, we're absolutely thinking about it. So yeah. Are you actually? That's awesome. Oh, we're 100% thinking about it. Yeah. He, he could use the outlet. Yes. When, <laughs> uh, yeah. If we can get him to listen to us, we, I mean, he, he loves like, he already loves jumping, which like puppies are not supposed to do so our a lot of our lives are just trying to get him to not go up on shit and jump off of it because when we're on walks that's all he wants to do so oh jasper yeah i don't know what um (laughs) there's not a ton of like agility right in portland we'd probably have to bring him out to like the suburbs so we'll have to see like what our commitment to that is um but i think he'd be he'd be really good at it just as like it he would have fun also, so. he doesn't have opposable thumbs to cl- tie up his it's cleats. It's so true. So. I was going to say, Jas- Jasper does not wear cleats, to my knowledge. So Famously. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is Ryloth Spice capable of giving you powers like in Dune? I've never seen Dune. Is that a movie? Is that, is that it's a, a video it's, game? It's a, books, it's a book series sl- slash movie slash about to be remade again. Oh, what yeah. Do I-, I don't know. Oh, is that it's, Doom? That's no. a video game? Doom, yes. D-O-O-M. Yeah. Yes. But isn't Dune a different thing? Yeah, that's... Am- yes. I, I thought they were the oh, same. okay. No, they're No, different. they're not. They're very different. Cool. Um, I'm going to go with no, because <laughs> if so, Paul S. Kemp would have given Moth Moore's some special powers yeah. that somehow still would have reflected how she's gross. <laughs> she <laughs> she would have been running shit. Yeah. Yep. Agree. And the most important question I think that we received, who would win in a fight? Fives or sixes? fives fives i by definition sixes is greater than fives yeah but six is a fucking no wait that's seven never mind (laughs) six is a fucking scaredy cat oh my god you're (sighs) yeah but like five is before six in rankings also fives is first in our hearts absolutely fives absolutely win in a battle for our hearts no question about that it is not specified what kind of what, fight what kind be. of fight <laughs> yeah <laughs> agree love it um cool well that has been a very heavy episode of the book wars pod would you like to bring us out dad 
I would love to. Thank you for listening to our wrap-up of Lords of the Sith by Paul S. Kemp. Next episode, we're going to be starting Queen Shadow by E.K. Johnston, and we're very excited about it. Uh, we are going to be reading the start of the book through chapter 13. Uh, and so we hope you'll read along with us and either buy the book or get it from your local library because this book this book deserves all the love. Uh, in the meantime, hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr at BookWarsPod, BookWarsPod at gmail.com if you want to email us. And rate, review, and subscribe to us and the Tashi Station Radio Mega Feed. Rating us and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher is the best way for people to discover the show. Uh, so we really, if you enjoy the show, we really do hope that you'll give us a rating and a review. If you have the means and you're so inclined, please donate to the Tashi Station Radio Patreon. It helps us cover our hosting and production costs and give us coffee at ko-fi.com slash bookwarspod. Uh, when people give us coffee, we will post more pictures of Porkchop, Orca, and Jasper, the official children of the Book Wars Pod, on our Instagram. You don't want to miss it. I'm sure that Orca is going to look adorable next to Queen Shadow, and I'm sure Jasper and Porkchop will too. Yes. He's so uh, our cute. theme song. He looks like a little raccoon. He, does. he is. He is. He is the littlest raccoon, and it's really good. And Jasper's song... now like four pounds heavier than him. Like a fish. Jasper. He's so. Oh big. no, Jas- Jasper's like fourteen pounds heavier than him. What? How big is How Orca? big is Orca? Orca's Orca's like eight and a half pounds. Oh my god. Oh yeah, Jasper's like twenty pounds now. Yeah, Jasper's a big boy. Jesus. Um, our theme song is Whiz Bang by Pottington Bear. Our logo and artwork are by Joe Butera Design. For uh, Kristen and Miranda and Kate in absentia, I'm Chris. Thank you so much for listening to the Book Wars pod, and we'll talk to you next week. A pow pow. Like I a- like how that's just become your sign off at this point. That's just Kristen. like our official outro, outro. <laughs> it really is. It, it's, it's the outro postscript. Yep.